I got to tell you what an awesome worship time today. Y'all are sounding powerful today. And I think it'd be good for us to give appreciation to Chad and this group that volunteers up here every Sunday. And uh, they do a great job. I just say hallelujah. It's to hear you sing just now um, and celebrate. This is way bigger than somebody scoring a basketball goal or getting a, making a touchdown. This is life. This is life. Well, it's Palm Sunday, and I have broke out my very, 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 very old Palm Sunday shirt. I'm under a lot of pressure in the staff to get a new one, but I ain't doing it. I've actually gotten smaller over the years. It's a little big for me, but I'm going to keep wearing it until he comes and gets me, maybe. I don't know. You know, Palm Sunday for this church, I call it a breakthrough moment, and uh, I caught myself getting emotional when I thought about it. In 2008, something happened. It was the first time that I saw that God was going to do something big. 2008. We'd been worshiping for several years, up, uh, I guess eight years in the, that original little building. And in 2008, we made a decision. We were out of room, gone to multiple services. Let's go down in the fellowship hall and set up chairs and have Palm Sunday down there. And we did. And we never went back. And we stayed in that room for three years. And again, God did it again. And he did it on Palm Sunday. It's amazing. And let me tell you how how weird that was. Uh, Nobody can tell you when you build a building like this, a multi-million dollar facility, when you're going to get finished and when you're going to get occupancy and all of that. Anybody that's built anything. You know what Sunday they gave us occupancy? Palm Sunday. And God again showed us, I'm going to do something there. So today... I come with expectancy. I come with expectancy. I'm saying, Lord, what are you going to do? So today, I I encourage you, even now, let me say this. Next Sunday uh, is Easter, or next weekend, Easter weekend. And last week, I challenged you to to invite somebody to come with you. We're going to have three services, a Saturday night service at 530 Two Sunday morning services, normal, 8.30, 10.30. We won't be having Sunday school between those two. Um, We won't be having any Sunday school Sunday morning. And again, it's just to try to be able to turn the parking lots over between the services. If not, we end up in trouble here. So I'm challenging you. When you leave today, they're going to give you some cards. You can use the card or just use your personality and say, I'd like you to go to church with me Sunday. And then smile. And I, you're going to sit with me. You know, I'm not going to just say, come to church. You know, come sit with me. Come sit with my family. Come go with me. And I'm talking about people who don't go somewhere. Okay, if they don't go to church. And you know some people who don't. And if you hear today's message, you'll understand why that's important. Because we're on a mission. We're on a mission. Uh, God has called us. He's placed each of us on a mission. So here we go. There's a scene in the Gospels where Jesus specifically sends out his apostles to complete a mission. This happens while he is still with them. Jesus is sending out his 12 apostles, just 12 guys, and it's recorded in three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We all know today, and this is important, this is what's going to be the foundation today on this Palm Sunday. There is a specific scene Recorded in three Gospels, Jesus calls 12 guys and sends them on a special mission trip. Now, now put that in your mind, and let's go over here to us today. We all know, I hope you know, that in the church age, that all of us have also been sent out on a mission by Jesus in what he calls the Great Commission. Except this time, versus the 12 that I'm going to talk about in a little while, He's already gone back to be with the Father. So now we're on a mission, but Jesus is with the Father in heaven, but we have the Holy Spirit empowering the church. And I hope 
This mission defines the purpose of our life. This mission defines who I am and why I am alive for such a time as this. This, it's, this mission is not a sideline issue. It is the main issue in my life, this commissioning of Christ. And this is our mission today. It's recorded in Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. This is after he has completed his mission. His mission was to bring glory to the Father by completing the work the cross. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I believe that's a reference to the church age. It's recorded again in a smaller version in Mark chapter 16. Jesus says, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Matthew and Mark both reveal this great commission statement of Jesus given shortly before he ascended to the right hand of the Father. Some of the last instructions from our King before he went to be with the Father is go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all these things. And my Holy Spirit will be the power that completes the mission. My Holy Spirit will be the power that completes the mission. Not you. You won't make it without me. I'll be with you until the last day. These are our current marching orders. And we will all be held accountable to some degree, some way. We will all be held accountable how we have responded to this great commission of Christ. But today on Palm Sunday, I want to do something. I want to look closely at Jesus sending out the 12 apostles while he was still with them on the earth to see what we can learn from that mission trip to help us on our mission trip. And I think you'll find it to be a very interesting comparison. Matthew gives us the most detailed account of Jesus sending out the 12 apostles. So we're going to focus on his gospel. So let's see what we can find out today that will help us on our mission today on this Palm Sunday. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. And here we go. Jesus sends out his 12 apostles. Now you need to get this part. He's not sending out the 72. He's not, it's not another big group. He's, this one is he's sending out his 12 guys, his 12 apostles. And he sends them out with these instructions. Some of you are going to be shocked. Don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go to the Samaritans. But only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. We believe this sending out of the 12 was probably in Jesus' third year of ministry, what people call the year of opposition, and that's when many people started to be against him and his message. This is when we find out our first major difference between Jesus sending out the 12 and Jesus sending out us. Did you notice it? The first major difference, don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go to the Samaritans. Don't do it. Don't heal the sick Gentiles. Don't raise the dead, uh, gen dead Gentiles. Don't heal the Gentiles that have leprosy. And don't cast the demons out of the Gentiles. Don't do it. Let that sink in for a moment. You bunch of Gentiles assembled here on Palm Sunday. His instruction is very clear. This first mission trip is not for them. Let there be no doubt Jesus came first for the lost sheep of Israel, the Jewish people. The apostle Paul is not in that group of 12 apostles at that time. He is the apostle to the Gentiles, and he wouldn't be called 
until after Jesus' resurrection from the dead and after his ascension to the Father in heaven. But Paul, when he is called, also reveals this Jew first mission of God. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone, I really like that word, everyone who believes the Jew first, and also now the Gentiles. Somebody say hallelujah. You see the difference between the first mission trip and this one? Before the apostle Paul, before the death, burial, and resurrection, to the Jews only. Don't talk to the Samaritans or the Gentiles. Now the gospel is for everyone. Jew first, but also the Gentile. There's your first big difference between Jesus sending out the 12. He was still on the earth at the time and sending out the church today under the power of the Holy Spirit. Today, we preach the gospel to everyone. We preach the gospel all over the world. Now, back to Jesus and sending out the 12. Verse 9. Don't take any money in your money belts. No gold, silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag. That'd be a suitcase. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. Like the children of Israel in the wilderness, you must depend totally on God for each day's supply inside of each day's mission. Give freely what you have and accept that which has been offered to you in return. These mission statements that I just read would still have certain application for the church today. But something happened. In fact, when I came to this conclusion, reading the scripture, it was a wow moment for me. Something happened after that event. So let's fast forward maybe almost a year, and and Jesus has just revealed to Peter that he will betray him the night before the cross. Okay? So you've read, I've just read to you what he said. He said, don't take money. Don't take a suitcase, don't take a a sandals, don't take a a walking stick, just take me. Okay, just take me. And fast forward and something major has happened. Luke 22, 35. Jesus asked them, when I sent you out to preach the good news and you did not have money, you didn't have a traveler's bag and you didn't have extra clothing, did you need anything? No, they replied, but now, uh uh-oh. But now, he said, take your money and a traveler's bag, and if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. For the time has come. Listen carefully, church. For now, something's different. Now the time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. What prophecy? Look, Lord, they replied, we have two swords among us. That's enough. What prophecy is he talking about? Let me read it again. I'm going to start with 36. Take your money and your traveler's bag, and if you don't have a sword, sew your cloak and buy one. For the time has come for this prophecy about me will be fulfilled. What prophecy? He will be counted among the rebels. Who's the rebels? Those who don't go along with the world's order. Are rebels to the world. Everything written about me in the prophets is going to come true. So their response is, look, Lord, we have two swords. Jesus says, okay, that's enough. Something has changed. And here's where the message today goes. Opposition is now rising against the message and the messengers of Jesus Christ. Opposition that wasn't there previously has now arisen. Jesus is counted by the world as a rebel not a savior. And anyone who is the message of Christ is also counted as a rebel, 
not a messenger of a savior. Jesus modified his instructions, and now you will need to equip yourselves with things that you didn't have or didn't need before. One can only imagine that Jesus' soon departure from the earth would make their mission different than before. They were going to become rebels, and they would face severe opposition from that day forward. Now, they carry money. Now, they carry suitcases. And now, they carry swords. Does that mean that they no longer depend on God for provision or safety? No, that's not what it means at all. But it's different than before. Why? The opposition is rising. Why? Because from this point forward, Jesus says the prophetic scripture has been fulfilled. They will from this day forward count me as a rebel. And if you join me, they'll count you as a rebel. Now back to Jesus' sending out the 12 apostles. Probably a year before he updates the mission trip example. Let's go back to verse 11, chapter 10. Whenever you enter a city or a village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. And when you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it is not, then take back the blessing. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, now listen carefully. If any house on this mission trip, he's back only sending out the 12. So he's only sending out to the Jews, not Samaritans or Gentiles. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or refuses to listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. Understand they didn't have Marriott's or Holiday Inn's in that day. So you're to search for a friendly house to stay in. Bless that person and their house when you find them. Remember, they're preaching to the lost sheep of Israel at this point, not Gentiles and not Samaritans. But what if, here's the question, what if they run me off? What if they won't accept the message? What if the gospel is offensive to them, this message of Christ? And in this moment, Jesus connects the rejection of his message. Jesus connects the rejection of the messengers who carry the message to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, I want you to think about this. What he's really saying here is there's something in the future that's worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. There's something coming in the future, and those who reject my message and my messengers who carry that message in the future, something way worse. You would be better off in Sodom and Gomorrah's judgment than the judgment that's coming. That's what he's telling them. Why? Because it is the message. Listen, church. It is the message of the gospel that saves any and all of us from a Sodom and Gomorrah judgment. It is the message that saves us that would save them. But he says, shake off the dust. If they reject the message, if they reject you as the messenger of the gospel, shake off the dust. Well, let's hold in that story for a moment and let's fast forward to our mission trip. The church age. What about today? Does that apply to us today? When do we shake off the dust? How many times do I go and share the gospel with a person until I decide to shake off the dust and say, Sodom and Gomorrah judgment's coming? It's a big question. And you know, I, I've, I've decided to err on the side of mercy. In this scene, Jesus clearly says, if they reject you and reject the message, shake the dust off and move on to somebody else. That's hard. I, I told the first service this morning, I've, I've got two guys that I have prayed for for 30 years. It would be real easy at some point in that journey 
to just shake the dust off and move on. But I have decided to err on the side of mercy. And one of the reasons is Jude one twenty two. It says, and, and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Put that on the screen here, Jude. <laughs> that sheep is going to disappear in just a moment. <laughs> Told you. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution. Hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Can I give you some counsel when you read this mission trip statement? Don't shake the dust off too quickly. Err on the side of mercy. So let's go back to Jesus sending out these 12 on the mission in this statement. This next part, I'm going to tell you in advance, is a bit intimidating. And it explains uh, something that I have found the church doesn't want to talk about, especially the church in America, is that we are in a spirit war. They were in a spirit war then, and we are in a spirit war now. In fact, the whole reason Jesus changed his instructions on the mission trip was the opposition of the spirit of Antichrist was rising. And this is when the message today gets deep, and it is also time sensitive. Before I read it, let me ask you a question. Do you really think Jesus is only talking to these 12 apostles on their mission trip, or is he also talking to the church? right now, today, on ours. Matthew 10, 16. Look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and as harmless as doves. But beware, for you will be handed over to the courts, and you will be flogged with whips in the synagogues, and you will stand trial before governors and kings because you are rebels. You are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. You know how I know for a fact that this mission trip statement is for the church age? That last statement, for it will be the spirit that will tell you what to say. That's the church age. There is, listen, there is no direct evidence that the 12 apostles were jailed, flogged, or whipped on that particular mission trip of Jesus. Later on, they were all the above, jailed, whipped, and flogged, but not necessarily on that trip. So now, this statement of Jesus has application to future missions, yes, even to the church age, even to the day, right now. What? Sheep among wolves. This is what the church doesn't like to talk about. Because if you say that the church is sheep among wolves, it would offend the wolves. Right? And so the church doesn't like to talk like this. But Jesus says, you're going to be on a mission. And on the mission, you will be sheep among wolves. So be smart. Remember when Jesus told them to have money, a suitcase, and a sword? That instruction is for us today. Now, I need to be really careful when I say that. He said there was a time you won't need money, you won't need a suitcase, and you won't need a sword. But he says, but now, as opposition rises, now that you are sheep among wolves, now that you are counted among the, the criminals, you're counted among the rebels by the world order, you'll need all three. But they won't save you. That suitcase, that money, that sword, it won't save you. But they do reveal something. You're in a war. And the church doesn't like to think like that. Right? We just think, can't we just all get along? <laughs> I mean, that's an idea. That can't we just all get along, get a big group hug going on? And then somebody comes along like Jesus says, no, you're in a spiritual war. 
And there are wolves out there that you, sheep, have been called to go and give them a message to save them from something in the future greater than Sodom and Gomorrah's judgment. And you're going to need money, a suitcase, and a sword. The Apostle Paul later, when the door of the Gentiles has opened, reveals the exact same wolves and sheep story, except this time he tells us that the wolves will come from inside the church. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem for his last time, and he gathers the elders of the Gentile church in Ephesus, and he gives them what is a final message. Now listen carefully. Paul's on a mission trip. He's been called, just like me, just like you. He's on a mission trip for Jesus. He is doing his part to fulfill the great commission of the church. Yes, for the Gentiles. And here's what he tells them. Acts 20, verse 25. Paul says to the Ephesian elders, And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare to you today that I have been faithful If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. Every time I read that, it stirs my soul. Paul looks at this bunch of people that he planted this church. He nurtured this church. He is the messenger of Christ that shared the gospel with these people who used to be wolves and now they're sheep. He says, if any of you suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. Why? Verse 27, for I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourselves and God's people. He's talking to the church elders. Guard yourselves, elders, and the flock. Feed and shepherd God's flock, His church, purchased with His own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know, here it comes. Paul says, I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave not sparing the sheep, the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many tears for you. Sheep among wolves. And some of the wolves are inside the church He's making it clear that after I leave, some wolves will rise inside the church and they'll try to gather a following and they'll come after those sheep. Be smart, as shrewd as a snake and as harmless as a dove. Jesus says, some of you will be handed over to the courts. Do you believe that? Jesus says, some of you will be handed over to the courts and you'll be persecuted, but this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. Does this apply only to that 12 group he sent out then, or does that apply now to the church, the church, the real church, the ones who carry this message, the messengers of the gospel of Christ, those who are counted among the rebels when the world looks at you? I'll give you an example to answer the question. Just a couple of weeks ago, actually, the article was written on March the 19th. This is what I read in the, in the national news. A federal judge said Friday that the former Kentucky counter, county clerk, Kim Davis, violated two same-sex couples' constitutional rights when she refused to marry them while she was in office in 2015. In court documents filed Friday, U.S. District Judge David Bunning dismissed Davis's motion for summary judgment in civil suits brought against her by the two same-sex couples that, to whom she had refused to grant marriage licenses. A jury will now decide what damages to award the plaintiffs according to the judge's opinion, end of quote. Kim Davis is a Christian. She is a sheep among wolves. And the part that concerns me the most is many people in the church won't say that. Which tells me there are many wolves in the church. Now, 
She's a Christian. She is a sheep among wolves, living out her life on a mission from Jesus Christ, a mission that is based upon truth. She will probably, based on that judge's ruling, she will probably be sued for everything she has in the coming days. They will take everything away from her. I'm sure it's coming. Just wait for the newspaper to reveal it. Sheep among wolves. And many church people abandoned the clerk in her time of persecution, and they went along with the wolves. I told you she was a Christian, and I, I, I'm pretty sure she accepts the responsibility of this mission assignment. And what she was asked to do was in direct conflict with the calling of her mission, which is to reveal the truth and the light. For a, to be a sheep when the wolves come. Sheep among wolves. You know, I think the reason the world struggles with this analogy, sheep and wolves, is because in America specifically, we don't like to acknowledge the spiritual war. It's a heavy thought that we are in a battle and on the earth right now, from God's perspective, there are sheep and there are wolves. The Apostle Paul says to the Ephesus church, I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from our own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Jesus says, be smart, as shrewd, and as wise as a serpent, and as harmless as a dove. The truth is this, whether today you want to accept it or not, it doesn't change the truth. There is a message that saves people from a judgment greater than Sodom and Gomorrah that's coming. There is such a message. And the people who carry that message are the messengers of that message will be counted as rebels from the world's perspective. Jesus told us in advance. It's not like you have to guess. Here's what he said. You will stand trial before governors and kings because of one reason. You are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other believers about me. This will not be your opportunity to sell out. This will not be your opportunity to compromise. This will not be your opportunity to look like a wolf and pretend like a sheep. This will be your opportunity to tell them about me. Tell the truth. Turn on the light. Tell the truth. This is your chance. God put the Apostle Paul in front of King Agrippa, Festus, Felix, and eventually he put him in front of Caesar. But in all of those cases, God was using Paul and his imprisonment, imprisonment to reach Felix and Festus and Agrippa and Caesar so that he could carry this message to them, this message of the gospel of Christ, so that the wolves might become sheep. And they would escape the judgment that will be far greater than anything that happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. This is your opportunity to tell them about me. We are church, sheep among wolves. Sheep with a message. A message that turns wolves into sheep. You know how I know? I used to be a wolf. And someone brought me a message. And that message was so supernaturally powerful that when it entered the portals of my eyes and the portals of my ears, it touched my soul and the wolf became a sheep. This is the message. This is the mission. Do you understand, church? Why do I make this a big deal on Palm Sunday? This is the mission. This is not a sideline. This is not the church can get to it when we get some free time. This is the mission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. But they'll count me as a rebel. They're all wolves. That's why you preach the gospel. That is the mission. But they won't like me. They'll call me names. And I read that wolves eat sheep. I have to tell you this next statement of Jesus gives me great comfort, takes the pressure off of me. 
Verse 19, when you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond. You know, that, that lady, that's, that reason I use Kim Davis, that's real. That's in Kentucky. What would you have done if you'd had her job? Would you go along? Do you think it matters? I'm going to read to you in a moment why it matters, but do you think it matters? When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time, for it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. So let's stop for a moment and review. This is Jesus' specific instructions to his 12 apostles as he sends them out on a mission trip for him while Jesus is still on the earth. Does any of this have application for us today? Under the Great Commission, the Church of Jesus Christ. Is this account from the Gospel of Matthew only applicable to the mission trip of those 12 guys 2,000 years ago? Really? Do you just think, well, he was just talking to 12 guys, right? Next verse, verse 21. Are you ready? A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. Do you think... Who's counted as a rebel? When did he change the order? You, you didn't need money, and you didn't need a suitcase, and you didn't need a sword. And he said, but now you're going to need all three. It was the opposition. This prophecy shall be fulfilled from this day forward. He is counted as a rebel. And if he's counted as a rebel, and he's in you, you're going to get a rebel too. And what happens when that happens? A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child, and children will rail against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all the nations will hate you because you're rebels. All the nations will hate you because you're my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. And when you are persecuted in one town, flee to the next. I tell you the truth. Listen carefully. Here's a prophecy. I tell you the truth. The Son of Man will return before you have reached all the towns of Israel. Did you get it? Let me do it again. I tell you the truth. Whenever he says that, you will get your ears out. I tell you the truth. The Son of Man will return before you have reached all the towns of Israel. There's a scripture that says this, applicable to Palm Sunday. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent, he did not open his mouth. Do you see it? Wolves, sheep. Can you see Jesus, the lamb, walking into Jerusalem's wolves on that Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago? A sheep walking into the wolves. Do you see it? Jesus, his message, and his messengers will divide all of humanity into two groups. His message, his messengers will divide humanity into two groups. They will be believers and they'll be unbelievers. They will be the lost, and they will be the saved. They will be the sheep, and they will be the wolves. When he walks in on Sunday, they cry, Hosanna, which is a wonderful word. It is, save us, God, save us, Lord, save us, King, Hosanna. But in just a few days, the wolves will take over the sheep, and they will say, crucify him, crucify him. Two voices, sheep and wolves. They divide all of humanity into two groups. The wolves will soon say to Kim Davis, crucify her. Do you doubt me? I don't mean literally crucify her on a tree, but you know what they will say? Take it all. Why? Why would they say that to this lady who had a, 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 a religious conviction as a clerk in Kentucky's county. Well, why would? Because she won't go alone. Take it on. 
She's counted among the rebels. Do you see it? She'll be counted among the rebels. Crucify her. Take it all because she simply won't go along with the wolves. And I wonder how many churches would stand up with her today? How many churches in that area or in this area would stand up with her today? And stand beside her today? No, no, we don't want to, I don't want to get involved in that. It's political. Really? You're a wolf. If that's political to you, then you're just a wolf who's pretending to be a sheep. It's not political. Why? Here's the reason I make such a big deal out of this. Jesus told those 12 guys that if you go carrying this message into that town and they reject you and the message, it would be better to be in Sodom and Gomorrah and what's going to happen to them because they reject that message. The most loving thing you will ever do for any human being is to tell the wolf how to become a sheep. But the wolf will be mad. The wolf will be destroyed if you don't. And there's going to come a point, church, that you're going to have to figure out what being the church means. He said, you'll be sheep among wolves. You can't create your own definition of the church. This is the calling. This is the calling. This is the mission of the church, to be sheep among the wolves. This is it. Now, the problem is, in many churches, I can't tell the difference between the sheep and the wolves. I can't tell. Next verse. Or excuse me. Let's go to Luke. It's a different uh, context. Luke 12, 49. Jesus says this. I have come to set the world on fire, and I wish it were already burning. I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me, and I am under a heavy burden until it is accomplished. Do you think I have come to bring peace on the earth? No, I have come to divide people against each other. What? what? He's, he's going to clearly define the sheep and the wolves. From now on, families will be split apart. Three in favor of me and two against. Or two in favor and three against. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And then Jesus turned to the crowd and said, when you see clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, here comes a shower. And you are right. And when the south wind blows, you say, today's going to be a scorcher. And it is, you fools. I didn't say it, he did. You fools. You know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present times. Today I'm going to ask you a question. Can you see it? On this Palm Sunday, 2022, can you literally interpret the signs you fools. That's his words. You fools. You know how to measure the weather forecast. You know when it's going to rain. You know when it's going to be hot. You know how to prepare for the weather that's coming. But can you prepare yourself for the signs of the times? Do you know? Anybody watching? Anybody paying attention? If you were here for the Jerusalem series, it became very clear that God's doing something. He's doing something. Do you have ears to hear? Eyes that can see? You know right now, everything that is laid out. Revelation chapter 13. You ought to go home and read it. Everything needed for this one world government, this new world order, this one world currency that you've been hearing people talk about your whole life. It's happening right now. Can you see it? You fools. That's his wording. You fools. You know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present signs Here's the reality. The world hates Jesus. It hates him. It hates his message. And because it hates his message, it hates his messengers. You know what it cries out? Crucify him. Why? Because they won't go along. They're rebels. They rebel against the world order. Yeah, they do. Because they know about what's coming. A king. 
Jesus says, all nations will hate you because you're my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. Jesus says, look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. This next statement of Jesus is very interesting and very revealing. It's prophetic in its nature. When you are persecuted in one town, flee to the next. I tell you the truth. The Son of Man will return. The Son of Man will return before you reach all the towns of Israel. Do you know what it means? I tell you the truth. The Son of Man will come back before you reach the towns of Israel. Do you know what it means? Do you remember how this 12, this, how this 12 apostle mission trip began? Jesus told them to only go to the lost sheep of Israel. There's your clue. Only go to the lost sheep of Israel. Only go to the Jews. Now he tells them it will be so difficult that you won't finish before my return. All the Jews will not be reached before I return. I will return before the last Jews are reached. You see the prophecy? The Apostle Paul reveals that same truth as he writes to the Gentile church in Rome. Do you want to interpret the signs? Well, here you go. Romans eleven twenty five. 25. Paul writes, I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. He's talking to Gentile Christians in the church age. Don't feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel, the Jewish people, have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. Remember how he said, the Son of Man will return before all the Jewish people come in. And so all Israel will be saved. As the scriptures say, the one who rescues will come from Jerusalem. And he will turn Israel away from ungodliness. And this will be my covenant with them. I will take away their sins. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, the Son of Man will return before you have reached all the towns of Israel. When the last Gentile comes in, the church age will close. And God's attention will go to the Jewish people. And that will be the end. If you were one of those 12 apostles that day when Jesus gave all of that information, would you still want to go on a mission trip? Jesus is the rabbi or teacher and the apostles are his disciples, his students. The same truth applies today. Jesus is our teacher, and we are his students. We are his disciples. Next verse, verse 24. Students are not greater than their teacher. Slaves are not greater than their master. Students are to be like their teacher, and slaves are to be like their master. And since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, that's what they call Jesus. He's counted as a rebel. Since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called even worse names. So when the wolves call you sheep names, understand they called him names first. They called Jesus the prince of demons. You know what that is? Beelzebub. They called Jesus. Read the scripture. They called Jesus Beelzebub. And they will call you names too, even worse crucify him. Why? Because you won't go along. The sheep will never go along with the wolves. Why? Because if the sheep go along with the wolves, the sheep become wolves. Students of a rabbi always share everything with the rabbi, even the name calling especially when the rabbi lives inside of us. And after hearing this today, church, would you still want to go on this Jesus mission trip? Do you want to be a sheep that lives among wolves? Or would you rather we didn't talk about this kind of stuff? Why don't you just preach about how you can be prosperous by coming to Christ? I even wonder how many American churches would even preach this section. Let me just read it. And as I read it, let me ask you, how many churches in America will preach this today? And I'm just talking about Jesus' teaching. Here's what he said. Look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. 
So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves, but beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and you will be flogged with whips in the synagogues, and you will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. Would you still go on the mission trip? You're going to get whipped and flogged. Would you still go on the mission trip? They're going to call you names and you're going to be counted as a rebel? I don't want to be a rebel. Would you still go on a mission trip? Matthew 10, 26. But don't be afraid. This is, this is, I'm just reading this in order. Do you understand? I am reading this mission trip statement in order today. And he says, don't be afraid of those who threaten you. Those wolves. For the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed. And all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in the darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. And what I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Are you afraid to shout the message? Are you afraid to share this with the wolves? And can you tell me what you thought the mission of the church was? Are you afraid? Do you think this day of God revealing all secrets, Jesus talks about is drawing near when everything's going to be revealed. Can you today interpret the signs of the times? Listen clearly to the statement of Jesus to his apostles 2,000 years ago, and let's bring it home right now. When I whisper, what I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops from all to hear. What I whisper in your ear, I want you, church, to shout it from the housetops. Can you hear him? Do you have ears to hear what the Spirit is whispering in your ear today? Ears to hear. If you've been coming to our Wednesday night roots class, and there's quite a few of you that do, that's topic that keeps coming up inside those parables of Jesus. And it's also interesting that in all seven churches of Revelation, he says the same thing. Those who have ears to hear, ears to hear, ears to hear. I look at this audience today. It's a big crowd today. But I really wonder how many of you actually have ears to hear. Are you, can you hear this message? Not everybody has ears to hear. Well, that was all in my mind. The sermon was finished, and I was somewhere doing a Bible study on Friday morning. And in that Bible study, suddenly the Holy Spirit uh, just prompted me to turn to Revelation 13. And I want to read it to you because I, I tried to not do it. and I, It's not on any of this because we already had all that turned in for the week. Revelation 13, 7. I'm asking you, a question, each one of you individually, do you today have ears to hear? Because I'm going to tell you what the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear on Friday. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. The beast is the Antichrist. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all the people who belong to this world, they're wolves. And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life before the world was made. The book that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered. They're the wolves who worship the beast. Verse 9, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone who is destined for prison. Now this last part reveals there is a point of no return. I don't know where that's at. I have no clue where that is. But there is a point of no return. Here's why I say that. Anyone who is destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. 
I'm asking you, do you have ears to hear? Anybody here? Can you interpret the signs? You fools, Jesus says. You can tell all this about the weather. You know all this about this. You know about the stock market. You know about housing and interest rates. And you know about all this stuff. And you don't know that my return is near at the door. You don't know. You don't have a clue that you're a sheep among wolves. Your whole mission and purpose in life is to share this message with the wolves around you. And you don't know. Something worse than the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah is coming. And I hear the Apostle Paul saying to the Ephesus church, If any of you suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. And today, I don't try to make myself more than I am, but I'm going to tell you the same thing. If any of you listening to me today suffers eternal death, it won't be my fault. Because I have shared with you over the years the full message of Christ. It'll be you. It won't be him. Something worse than Sodom and Gomorrah is coming. It's called eternal death. It's worse than anything that happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. Revelation 2.29, one of the seven churches, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the church. Do you understand? Do you have ears? Can you listen today? And then what? After I hear with my ears, this gentle voice, what am I supposed to do? Remember that scripture, he says, and he was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb, he did not open his mouth. He did not open his mouth. You know, he was silent as he walked into Jerusalem. When that lamb entered the wolves, he was silent and they crucified him. But now he turns to us and he says, I want you to shout it from the rooftops. I want you to shout it from the rooftops. Don't you ever pull this message back. I want you to shout this message from the rooftops. What message? The deliverer is coming. Are you afraid? Does the outline of Jesus' mission trip make you afraid today? The idea that you're going to be a sheep among wolves and wolves like to eat sheep? Do you know what the very next verse in Jesus' mission trip outline is? The very next verse. Matthew 10, 28. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Do you have ears to hear? What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And, and the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on the earth. Anybody listening? Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on the earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny you before my Father in heaven. Don't imagine that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. He is dividing all of humanity into sheep and goats. You can't make up your own gospel. You can't make up your own Jesus. This is him. Do you think I came to bring peace on the earth? No. Don't imagine I came to bring peace. I came came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. And if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. And if you love your son or daughter more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. And if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. And if you cling to your life, church, if you try to hold on to your life yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, 
you will find it. I got three verses. Before I read them, I want to ask you a question. Are you afraid of the sheep among wolves Jesus mission trip? Are you afraid? I get it. It's a, it's a spiritual war. That's why the church doesn't want to talk about it. If you don't join this mission trip, where will you go? If you say, not, not, I'm not in. I'm not in. Okay, I, you, you make a compelling argument, preacher, but I'm not in. If you reject this mission trip, where are you going? And let me redefine the question. What is, what is the purpose and meaning of your life? What, what, are, what are you here for, for such a time as this? Where will you go? Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I hear people in my mind saying this. You know what? I'd join this Jesus mission trip if y'all stopped talking so much about the shepherd. And the idea is this, and, and here's what I find in American Christianity. If you church people would stop talking so much about the shepherd, the wolves would like you all better. Because why do I say that? Because, you know, everything I have told you today came from the shepherd named Jesus. I didn't write any of it. It all came from him. This entire mission trip story is his, not mine. I'm just reading it to you. I'm just a messenger. So you think, well, you know what? If you'd stop talking so much about the shepherd, the wolves would like us better. No, no, no. It just means you become a wolf. That's all it means. You're just to see. When I stop talking about the shepherd, it doesn't mean anything except I've become a wolf myself. Several years ago, I was reading just casually through the Gospel of John, and I came to this scene, and I had never in my whole life noticed that the verse was chapter 6, verse 66. Chapter 6, verse 66, 666. Six, six. Stay away from that number. Now, let me tell you the scene. The scene is in, in John 6, 66, Jesus has, has outlined this mission. I mean, he's outlining his whole purpose, his ministry. And, and bunches of people are leaving. They say, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. And everybody's abandoning him. That's what 666 is. From this day forward, they all left. They just left. Bunches of them left. And Jesus turns to his 12 disciples and he says, are you leaving too? Go, go read it. John 6, 6, 6. Are, are you leaving too? And Peter, oh, Peter. You got to love Peter. Peter looks at Jesus and he says, where else will we go? For you alone have the words of eternal life. So I'm asking you today, you turn down this mission trip. Where are you going? Where are you going? For he alone has eternal life. Now, for the last three verses in Jesus' mission trip story. Here we go, verse 40. Anyone who receives you receives me. Anyone who receives the Father who sent me, who receives, and anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. And if you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. And if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. Now it's our turn. That was him sending out people then. It's our turn. We are here for such a time as this. We are here to shout it from the rooftops. This is our mission, to be the sheep who live among the wolves. Why? Because the wolves are going to die if you don't tell them how to become sheep. The wolves are going to die in something worse than Sodom and Gomorrah's story of judgment if you don't tell them how to become sheep. It's why Jesus, the Lamb of God, walked into the wolves on Palm Sunday in Jerusalem. Sheep among wolves, preaching a message that turns wolves into sheep, all by the power of the Good Shepherd. Now listen carefully. There are probably several wolves here today. I get it. In fact, I want to tell you that I'm happy that you're here today. 
but I'm happy that you're here today for this one reason. You have heard the message about how wolves can become sheep. But I've got a warning for the wolves. You must become a sheep before the shepherd comes. Before you meet the shepherd, you must become a sheep. Because the Bible has clearly said that when the shepherd comes, he will destroy all the wolves. He's coming to make war against the wolves. Something worse than Sodom and Gomorrah is in the future. The judgment of God. So today, can you interpret the signs? Do you see what's happening in the world? I'll ask Chad to come on out for the invitation. Can you interpret the signs? Do you see this new world order? Do you see this currency thing that's taking place? We happen to be in this two-year pandemic, which quite frankly just primed the pump for everything that Revelation 13 says is going to happen. Can you interpret the signs? Are you on a mission trip? Do you have wolves around you that need to know this message of Christ? We're going to sing a song. The song is the same power. You know, how in the world are we going to complete this mission trip? I'm just a guy from Birdie, the Holy Spirit. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. That's how you or I will complete this mission. One way, by Christ in me, the power of spirit, the spirit. Only by the spirit's power will we be able to remain faithful until the last day as sheep living among the wolves. So we're going to sing a song. And I'm going to pray first. Father, I pray that you would open our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. And I pray that you'd open our eyes to see and our hearts to believe, receive, and obey. Move in power in your church. Lord, what we heard in our ears in secret, in a still small voice, may we shout from the rooftops this message in Jesus' name. And amen. Let's stand. The invitation's open.